to begin the sitting meditation this morning, you might experiment with setting an aspiration for this time. The aspiration to be able to tune your attention to absolute reality, to connect as much as possible with your direct experience during this time. Putting whatever words to that resonate for you. Maybe, may I be able to directly connect with my experience? Or may the deeper truth of my experience reveal itself? Just taking a moment to connect with that aspiration, not a goal, not an agenda, but very much like we do with the metta meditation, just dropping that wish into the heart, planting that seed there. And then completely letting it go, letting it sprout as it will, given the conditions that are present right now. Seeing if we can rest in a direct awareness of what's happening through whatever inroad is easiest for us. If it's just tuning into the body, feeling the most obvious sensations there. The sensations of the breath. The sensations of sitting. Maybe places where the body is touching in contact with itself or with other things. Maybe sensations within the body. Maybe the field of sounds around us. Allowing the attention to receive the direct experience, the real experience of just what's happening right now. in all of its simplicity, all of its unremarkableness. If the mind is very busy, very full, 
with thoughts or emotions, then that may be the easier place for us to access our direct experience. So then we can let the attention just open to that, making that very subtle movement of the awareness to step off of the raft, to step out of the stories, to find a place on the bank of awareness where we can just notice, just see what's going by. No need to stop anything that's coming, anything that's flowing down that river. Just to watch the rafts go by See them hit the rocks and the rapids. For as many moments as possible. I'm not expecting that we're going to be able to completely stay out of the stories. We may, but we don't need to have that expectation. Just making the commitment to notice as many moments as possible in whatever way is the very easiest, the most obvious. And then when the next raft comes, noticing that. Making room within awareness for everything that arises in the body and the mind without any exceptions without any loopholes. There's nothing that needs to be outside of awareness. There's nothing that is outside of awareness. If we just remember to be here for it.
So do you have any questions this morning? So the comment is that when she's using the noting technique, she's often noting twice. So she'll note the actual experience, like hearing, and then she'll note the vedana, the feeling tone of it. So whether she's sensing it as pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. And are there any comments on that? Is that the question? Yeah. I mean, I might be answering my own question because it, mm-hmm. it tends to help me, mm-hmm. um, which I guess is my answer. But I find that it helps break the cycle and you know, once I say pleasant, it, it helps sort of end the papancha or the ongoing story about the pleasantness or wanting or um, aversion. Or, mm-hmm. But I was just wondering if that's sort of a technique that y'all use or... <laughs> yeah. So um, is that technique helpful? And that's, you know, you are kind of answering your own question. You know, that's something to look and see for ourselves with any technique that we're bringing in. Is it helpful? helpful in the sense of does it help us to really connect with the experience, you know. So sometimes it's true that uh, naming pleasant, you know, just that overall, you know, can be a very broad kind of vague sense of of it's pleasant, it's nice, I like it. And um, it is somewhat of an amorphous experience, noticing the feeling of being pleased or the feeling of being displeased or the feeling of just being kind of blank, kind of neutral. Um, so sometimes, for some of us, putting that little, you know, label on it of, oh yeah, that, that's also there, that's also an element of experience, can be helpful to actually bring it more into awareness, to sink into it and feel it a little bit, bit, bit better. And it's true that that can um, kind of uh, nip in the bud any tendency the mind might have to kind of run with that feeling, things that might be coming out of it, but that's not so much the goal you know, so it's not to have that agenda in using that technique. The, the agenda, if there is one, is just to be able to feel it more clearly, to connect with it more fully, to, to really recognize that it's actually there. So whatever happens, you know, afterwards happens. So um, if there's some kind of sense that, you know, you're bringing that in, with any technique that we bring in, we want to include why we're doing it. <laughs> so we want to notice you know, if we're doing that, then what's the motivation behind that? And also include that. If there's some subtle sense of wanting to avoid something or maybe being afraid of thinking or, you know, whatever it might be. So it's perfectly fine to use that technique and it can be very helpful, but just be aware of how, how you're using it and how it's playing out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sort of struggling with emotion. myself really in the present and then uh, a a thought comes up thinking and um, then I I, there's you know a lot of energy around that thinking emotion and I um, did what um, Kamala was talking about like what is my feeling about that trying to connect with what is the feeling about and then sometimes I find that taking me into other, I don't know if it's thinking or insight. I mean, there are things I haven't realized before. Mm. But where that 
you know, edge is between sort of investigating emotion and thinking is, is I, I'm not clear. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, a good question. Um, that she's having an experience and then she kind of gets to thinking about the experience, like some insights come up, she realizes some things, and, and where's the kind of the boundary between in, in investigating and thinking? Is that kind of the question? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's um, a fine line, but um, the, the way that we talk about investigation here, it, it's really a different kind of investigation than that English word implies. It's, it's a um, sensory investigation. It's a direct investigation. It's a feeling into an experience, a, a, a drawing nearer to experience. So it's really a, a nonverbal kind of investigation. It's that, that drawing near so that we can get a, a better sense of something. We can see more aspects of it. We can experience it more fully. So that's the sense that we use investigation here. And then, of course, you know, as we do that, then thoughts will come. You know, some of us are, are more prone to that than others. You know, some of us are more, we just have minds that are more content to kind of hang out in the absolute reality. And others of us, has, of us have minds that are very active. And, you know, the relative uh, realm wants to come in immediately and start interpreting everything. And then anywhere in between. So that's fine if that happens. It's just to recognize the two different modes. You know, that, like I was talking about last night, that there's the mode of actually feeling the experience. And then there's the mode of all the commenting, the interpreting, and we can just notice each of those going on. They're both perfectly fine. No way, the, no way the bell was heard or rung. And, and also, like, and this happens to me, like, with other experiences, too, like mosquitoes. And then I swat the mosquito away, and I, I kind of, like, hear it again, but there's no way the mosquito's there because I checked for it. Or, like, like, feeling of, like, ants or something like that. And... I guess the question is, how do you recognize delusion in the moment? <laughs> because, because it's the nature of delusion that it seems real in that moment. So did everybody hear that? <laughs> kind of the, the phantom experiences that you have during retreat. Um, you know, it does often feel like we've got ants, you know, or bugs crawling on us. We get that kind of itchy, creepy, crawly thing, which is nice here because you can kind of be pretty sure, at least in the hall here, that you don't. Have ants on you, as opposed to like practicing in Asia, where you don't—you really don't know. There could be anything on you. <laughs> um, but it really doesn't matter, you know. I mean, the, it is so funny what the mind will do, and you know, in a way, it's a chance to get a glimpse into just how um, flawed our our powers of perception actually are. You know, we really trust those faculties of interpretation. You know, that, that we can interpret the sense input and that we come up with the right answers to what it means. But we get, really get to see here that, you know, it's not always so. You know, it's very ambiguous. You know, what is, what's the truth of a particular experience? I, I'm a, you know, I've been wearing glasses since I was a little kid. I have these big, thick glasses. And um, 
not this pair, but the last pair that I had, they were like really shiny on the inside. I'd get all these reflections. So I'd always, you know, get this experience of things like whizzing by my peripheral vision, you know, and, and I'd be like, you know, what's going on, you know? And, and it just, it wasn't there. It was like back behind me someplace, you know? So I got to see that a lot. Um, you know, so it's just to notice those things, yeah. It just, so, you know, don't, don't worry about, you know, it's not that level of delusion that we're looking at, you know. It's just to notice, oh, that's what the mind's in doing. We, we can see that process of trying to um, perceive, trying to interpret, trying to come up with explanations and, and just see that it's just a process, you know. There's not any inherent reality in it. Even the times that we interpret you know, we come up with an interpretation that seems to match up like with reality, like the bell really did ring or there really is a mosquito there. Is that really true either? You know, it's all just a, a process of, of interpretation going on. So it's interesting to watch. <laughs> yeah. Good question, yeah. So the question's about, is there an absolute reality to thinking, or is it just purely a conceptual phenomenon? There is an absolute reality to thinking. There's an absolute reality to everything. Um, but it, it can be uh, difficult to, to tune into. You know, the, as I was saying last night, the physical realm is much more obvious, the absolute level of it. So that's where we start. And if that's what's clear with us, for us, then it's fine to just stay there. Or if there's certain aspects of mental experience, you know, like maybe emotions for some of us are easier to kind of get a read on, to tune the dial, to see from that absolute perspective than thinking. Um, or for some people, vice versa. Some people, emotions, it's really hard to tune into. So it's um, really important to remember not to push. You know, we don't want to make this a project of, you know, we're kind of getting in there and digging around and trying to find the absolute reality. Um, we start where it's easy, you know, so it's easy with the body, then we just stay with the body. That will hone that capacity, you know, that will, will accustom us to tuning the dial. And then as we get more skillful at that, then just naturally more levels of absolute reality will start to reveal themselves. You know, somebody was talking yesterday, and we often use this analogy of peeling the onion, you know. So more and more layers come off as we, we get more comfortable hanging out in that space. Then we can see more there and more of the, the more subtle, intangible aspects of experience. So if, if you know, if there's a, a particular aspect of experience that you just really don't get it, you know, you, don't, you just really don't see, you know, what the absolute reality of it might be, that's perfectly fine just to kind of hold it as a, you know, it's something that may or may not reveal itself while you're here or some point later down the line. If we keep at it, then eventually it all kind of percolates up to the top. But it, it has to come when we're ready to see it. Let's see. Uh, one last one. Yeah. What <clears throat> you've just noted a hindrance. And then you go back to your awareness of the 
that's an absolute reality and nothing really recommends itself to focus on is, is it um, productive to go rooting around when you know the question feel your right hand mm -hmm. you know, is that a productive thing to do when there's nothing that's really in the forefront Great. Yeah, so the question's about we've come out of being lost in thought, right? Come out of a hindrance of some sort, being lost in that conceptual realm. Uh, but there's nothing that particularly presents itself within the absolute realm. There's nothing that really leaps up at us. So is it productive to go looking around to find something to, to notice during that time? Um, the first thing that we could notice, just especially, especially at this point in the retreat as you're starting to settle in, is just simply the fact that we're back. That's actually a really powerful moment. Arguably, it's, it's the most powerful moment of the meditation is when we come out of being lost because there is, you know, there's such a dramatically different feel, right? We really, if we're, if we're sensitive, we can really notice that, that feeling of being back and being here again is entirely different than the experience of being off and lost in that other realm. So, you know, at this point, first and foremost, we can just notice, okay, I'm back. It has a different feeling to it. I'm here. This is what the absolute realm feels like. It's nothing very remarkable, but we're just, there's that sense of presence. And then that can also be a time, you know, if there really is nothing else that leaps out, that we, that we use our anchor in the practice. You know, the breath is always there in some sense. We're always sitting. Um, you know, there, there's usually going to be some kind of sounds around us. So we can kind of come back to these very simple touchstones or even just the, the overall sense of just sitting, just like here I am. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'd use the term like rooting around, but like this is one of the reasons that we kind of cultivate a relationship with our breath or with some other kind of reliable experience that's just always there that we can come back to when uh, it's not obvious what we ought to be paying attention to or we're just kind of drifting or lost or, or whatever it might be. But it's, it's, it's important to notice that moment of I'm back, you know. If that's all we do during a sitting meditation is drift off into thought and then have a few moments of like waking up and realizing that we're actually here and back, that's an incredibly uh, productive meditation if that's all that we do. So we wanted to just encourage you guys at this point in the retreat, you're really getting into the sweet spot now. This is kind of the, the rich period of the retreat when you're really in there, whether it feels like it or not. Uh, whether it feels particularly sweet or not. <laughs> but you are in there. You know, take, take our word for it. Um, so this is the time to really start bringing the continuity into your practice, to really start weaving that thread of awareness uh, through the whole day, seeing if we can get past the illusion that um, coming into the hall here and sitting in meditation is kind of a discrete activity or going to our walking place and pacing is a discrete activity, or that lunch is a discrete activity. Um, what we're doing here is being aware. It's just one activity that takes different forms, that goes through different transitions. So can we bring uh, a steadiness and evenness of awareness as we move through all of those transitions, uh, switch between the different kind of superficial activities that the body is engaged in? And if you haven't... Uh, already experimented with it, then you might try slowing down a little bit. Um, we don't emphasize that so much here in this retreat as we do on other retreats. So it is fine to just move about at a normal speed if that's what you find most supportive for being aware. 
On the other hand, if, if you get up from the hall and go out to find your sitting place or um, whatever it might be and you feel like you're just kind of losing touch, you're losing the thread, you're losing that strand of awareness, then it can be helpful to, to slow down even just a little bit. Give your mind a little more of a chance to catch up with the activity of the body. Leave, leave a few more pauses as you go through your day. Chances to catch a breath or to really connect with your feet as you're moving about. So in this way, you can get the, the most benefit out of your time here. Build the most momentum to your awareness so that you can start to see uh, deeper and more subtle experiences. Okay, carry on. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.